0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to cheeselandia.com to learn more. And if it's for you, sign up.
2: Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, at the beginning of 2021, we hope we have a bunch of new listeners, returning old listeners and friends, listening to this episode of Tech Bytes, the weekly show where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. And I know I say this every week, but I am really happy to have this collection of guests with us today. Um, It's a milestone episode for lots and lots of reasons. Today, we are going to talk with some of the winners from this year's Forbes Under 30 list, the 2021 list. So it's great to kick the year off with something uh, really celebratory. It's the 10th annual list that Forbes has done. Um, We have some really fantastic entrepreneurs and food people on the show today, some you've heard, some new ones for you to meet. And it's also worth noting that in the Tech Bytes world, six years ago in January in 2015, episode number one of Tech Bytes was the Forbes under 30 list for that year. And we kicked it off that way. And so it's nice to come back and see how the list has evolved over the years. The other interesting point worth noting is that last year, when we talked about the Forbes Under 30 list for 2020, that was episode 199, that was the last episode we did live in the studio inside Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And coming back onto the show, um, who was there last year and who's there today, is Chloe Servino, who's a staff writer at Forbes, who works on the food and drink under 30 list. Chloe, thank you for joining us remotely on Zencaster. Thank you so much for having
3: me. That Roberta's pizza bee sting was my last meal out and I remember it very fondly. What a crazy time. Uh, This year, we really wanted to make sure that who we were highlighting really was representative of everything that happened in 2020. I mean, so many folks Really came of age and persevered despite the odds, and we, you know, we it was a it was a tough year to put together a list that you know has to feel so um, emblematic of entrepreneurship and 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 kind of optimism in in such a kind of dark times. But uh, it was exciting nonetheless.
2: I can only um, oh, actually, I can imagine the difference between putting together this year's list and putting together last year's list. I would imagine that there are kind of two components to it. One is just the actual putting together of the list, meeting with colleagues, talking to people, um, meeting with some of the other people who vote, um, planning events. I would assume that you did all of the work now kind of remotely. And then the second piece to it, I would imagine, is you know, this year, not only the COVID-19, you know, global pandemic, but we also had Black Lives Matters, uh, a lot of social justice issues, the election, lots of different, you know, political, social, environmental, human reckonings that were happening. So um, I would imagine that that maybe interjected some ideas and discussions that maybe you didn't have last year. It was definitely a really special
3: year and we took all of that really, really deeply into heart. I will say, you know, I think diversity, amplifying the right voices, sustainability, those are things that we have historically always made sure we strive for when we're putting together this list. But I mean, you know, it it was such a big year that we really just wanted to make sure The folks who we were acknowledging and and, and getting to celebrate were the ones who were so emblematic of the earth, you know, had persevered despite the odds. Um, You know, folks like author Priya Krishna, who led the reckoning within Bon Appetit about representation that catalyzed the food media world at large, Um, you know, and then we have everyone to the, you know, the owners of 886 in the East Village and now a new location in Brooklyn, um, Taiwanese natives uh, who were essentially one of the first restaurants in all of New York City to set up a meal donation system for frontline healthcare workers. You know, during some of the pandemic darkest days, you know, I, living here throughout all of this, we really just wanted to make sure that we could capture the spirit of that survival and that, you know, optimism that they really had in the pandemic's darkest days, and and through you know all of the other really tough moments um, that kind of you know was a compliment in the past year. And I, and, and I will say and for your first question too, I I know I didn't answer that yet, but uh, it was a crazy year for it because usually we're spending the entire year you know going to different trade shows. Meeting with different events, hearing from all these different investors about other folks we should be meeting, doing you know vineyard visits. Uh, I've done so many different random places, um, and this year was completely all virtual. We usually do a tasting um, where all of our judges meet in New York City for a day, and we go through every single candidate business plan, all the financials that we vetted. Um, and get to taste anything that that that, that we can, um, depending on the type the type of candidate. And this year, you know, obviously we couldn't do that, um, but we had really dedicated judges in Molly Yeh, who's on the Food Network, and Marcus Samuelson, and Lee Schrager, who set up the uh, Food and Wine Festival in New York, in New York and South Beach. So it, we were really lucky for that reason, and we all just kind of went above and beyond to try to find the. The best standout up-and-coming superstars, young folks, to you know be able to bring us all the optimism that we really you know have needed.
2: Well, it's definitely uh, perfect timing for this type of list, and the fact that it's the tenth annual list is also great because um, it grounds it. I think in. You know history and some hindsight, uh, so it doesn't. You know, it's not like oh, let's just have a big party so we can all you know celebrate something and and feel better. The other thing that's notable, I think, about this list is, and just generally, it reminds us that there are there are positive growth things happening, and a lot of the six hundred entrepreneurs and activists and and writers and movers and shakers who are on the list. Um, raised a lot of uh, capital, raised funds, expanded their business. So I also like the aspect, not just the positivity of um, highlighting and celebrating people who are doing good things. I think it's also great for us to hear collectively as as an industry and as the public that there is opportunity, that things are growing, that there are still pockets of um, investment and expansion and things like that, which will, um, you know, theoretically, lead to you know the domino effect of opportunity and economic possibility for, you know, more and more people.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's very true. I, I will say, I think we look very carefully at any founders who take on venture capital funding or you know any kind of sort of investment. Um, We really want to make sure the folks who are highlighting on this list are are founders, entrepreneurs. They're the ones who are driving the conversation. Obviously, there's a lot of crazy money flowing around in the food and food tech and ag tech world, specifically because it kind of is this last frontier for investors in a lot of ways. And because, to your point earlier, it is at the intersection of all these really, really important issues. And solutions really could have systemic societal change from food justice to sustainability and farming. Uh, to just nutrition and health. Um, so that said, you know we we look to founders who are still trying to make, take control, um, who are taking investment in the right ways. Obviously, so much of this year, uh, so much of the investment went towards founders and plant-based, and we can talk about that. Um, but before we do, I will say that we are also really looking for the bootstrappers, the entrepreneurs who are figuring out new business models and new ways to you know, take this kind of late like capitalism world and, and make it work for them. Um, I think a great example is Diaspora Kosana Devakadri, um, who is a pretty big force in the food world today. But I was really glad we got to put her on the list this year because I think her story is so uh, really representative of like where I, I hope this list will go. You know, she's bootstrapped her entire company, never taken on any investment and, you know started it essentially in 2017 with three thousand dollars from her tax refund uh, at 23 years old uh, she's still under 30 obviously um, and you know the way it works it's kind of like a CSA model where uh, you know a customer will can invest ahead of time so that diaspora Coat can pay their small family farmers across India an average of six times more than the commodity price and they're doing that because they can have these kind of like interesting business models and, and forward contracts. Um so I'm excited by stories like that because we're seeing how entrepreneurs are, you know, looking at traditional funding and traditional ways to grow a business and kind of turning it on its head.
2: Well, it is a really great time to be looking at all of these new um you know and I suppose being on the list means they're not necessarily new because even though they're under 30 Um, Everyone on the list has spent years working already um, on their project, on their profession, on their company, and they've reached a certain level of um, success to be notable and to be something that is foundationally secure to go forward. We are joined today by two members of the Food and Drink Under 30 list, Uh, We have Jesse Shevchek, who is writer, recipe developer, food stylist, and notably the author of Tasty Pride, Um, a really great uh, body of work if you have time while you're listening or afterwards to take a look at his website, J-E-S-S-E. His last name, I'm going to spell it out for you because there's lots and lots of consonants, S-Z-E-W-C-Z-Y-K.com. Beautiful photography and work and also a look at the Tasty Pride book. Jesse, thank you for joining us this morning. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And we also have joining us is Michael Robinoff, who is a, a longtime uh, friend and former guest of Tech Bites. He was on for the first time back in September of 2018, episode 151, where we did a show about millennial CEOs changing the world. And at that point, I think you were 25, Michael. Is that right?
4: Yeah, I think so.
2: (laughs) Michael's company is called Farm to People. And if you want to look at that while we're on the air, the website is farmtopeople.com. And essentially, it connects the farmers from the green market to consumers where you go online and you very simply order um, the groceries and, you know, the type of delivery you want, whether you want a weekly subscription or you want a special event. And it comes right to you. So you don't have to go to the farmer's market, but you still get the same local farm produce. And it was a great idea back when he founded it when he was 21. Is that right? Seven years ago?
4: Seven years ago, yeah, with my with my <laughs> dad and partner.
2: And it seems to be one of those things where... Um, It's the perfect business for this time. Um, Both to Jesse and Michael, um, Jesse, tell us how you first heard that you were going to be on the Forbes under 30 list and how that unfolded.
5: Yes. um, So I actually found out I was on the list just the morning that it published, but maybe several months prior, um, I got a DM from Mollier who has been following me on Instagram for several years now. I remember when she followed me, I thought it was a huge deal to have someone like her follow me. I still think it is. And she just asked how older you are. And I said, I'm 29. And I saw that she was on the list prior. And I quickly learned that if you're on the list, some people can like nominate and suggest people on the list. So that thought passed my mind. Um, and then Chloe reached out with an application, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is real. And I sent in all my information, and I didn't hear her for several months. Um, I kind of thought, you know, this is a huge honor for Molly to even consider me, but of course, this probably won't happen. I'm just like a, an author, a writer. This isn't like a realm I necessarily play in. And then I woke up, and I was on it, and it was just a huge surprise and really great.
2: So Chloe, this is an instance where we have somebody who is not ne- who is not a business owner but is somebody who is in the category in this case food and drink that is um, you know publishing and putting forward a voice and a point of view and stories. How important is that elementally in in the Forbes list, which is a little adjacent to what we typically think about because we usually think about business? look, I mean, we
3: want. The best people in the food world to be highlighted on this list. And I think Jesse can tell you, you know, he has to run his own business. He himself is a business. And I think that's sometimes, you know, forgotten, but you know, he, you know, he's had this big cookbook that takes a lot of time and effort to be able to put that project together. He's doing all of these other contributing to different um, outlets, different video work. And, you know, we felt that we needed someone with a really great eye to represent food styling, but also how you could make food styling your business and your, your personal brand to make it, you know, your full career. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I think, especially with social media these days, Business really can be anything, and you know, our, just as much as you know, we do the billionaires list at Forbes. We also do the celebrities earnings list, right? And I and we do like the YouTuber earning list too, too, for that matter. So, I think we all kind of forget that we all can be our own businesses, and especially when we're doing creative projects, and especially in the food world, where so much is freelance and so much is per project based. That at the end of the day, you know, you are running your own book.
2: You know, that's a really excellent point. We often um, think about writers and people in the media as being um, people who are creative, who share a point of view, who share stories. Um, but we don't think of them as individual, maybe mini media outlets, which to your point, they, they really are. And I think it was Jay-Z who who famously said, um, I'm not a businessman, I'm the business man. Mm. <laughs> Um so you know that's a that's a really um I think that's a salient point and one that we often forget and I think certainly um at this point in the collective uh consciousness we are very aware of how powerful social media is and how that can you know being an influencer can be a business for sure um Michael Michael's almost like the old under 30 on the list, I feel like, because you, have, you did start your business at such a young age. I mean, 21 years old is, is, you know, most people are, you know, just sort of starting to think about what they want to do with their life. And you are already digging in with a business. How does, do you, do you feel like you're already an, an older statesman in the startup world? Or do you still feel young, seven years into your business?
4: Oh, I still feel so young and and like i'm learning i'm learning so much um it was i mean this whole journey of farm to people has been one that's been you know very close to home in the sense that i i get to i, I get to work on it with with my co founder Anina, who also is on the list and then my father, who has been you know a mentor uh to me since you know. Long before farm to people was was something that we were all working on, and so um, food, and I've said this on on prior episodes, but food is is something that's so personal and and means so much to me, um, just from you know my family history and what I grew up around, that being able to like, you know do that and tell the stories of our our makers and farmers on on farm to people is is an incredible you know, I guess an incredible job. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think to me, this is waking up and seeing myself on Forbes and seeing, you know, Anina um, there with me and and them mentioning my father. It really just was a, a really great milestone in this journey that has been a lot longer than a lot of those other superstars who, you know, I'm humbled to be on a list with. Like, this is definitely, and you've seen us go through different, we, we've pivoted and, and re reimagined our business, you know, more, more times than I can probably count on one hand over the last seven years, which is not uncommon, but certainly, like you've said, has, has I guess, seasoned me a little bit, and, but also given me that much more joy to be where we are today. Um, because it, it at, at times, over the last seven years, has, has felt like I would never you know, see the business get to this point. And uh, I think that's a lot about, you know, and and I see this in other people on the list, but, um, and I'm sure Chloe sees a ton of this, but is really just persistence and, 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 and continuing on even when it may not even be a good idea, but sometimes life just has a weird way of, of uh, if you listen to what your customers are saying or others are saying and, and take those cues, I feel like, yeah over the years that's that's led me personally in in a in a fulfilling direction and sometimes the right direction
3: <laughs> i i will say that michael and anina are actually really great examples of folks who we have looked at over the years and felt like we really got to know as they have done those pivots and and changed the business model and you know when we looked at the application and and all the information and the growth again this year you know, with everything going on, we just felt like this was this was the right time to be able to put on you know a direct to consumer farmers market delivery service, um, and and just the growth that they had achieved really had made it clear that this was the this was the moment for for this company. So I, I think um, you know folks don't really know, but you know there are some entrepreneurs who will literally look at for years. I. There are several that you know I've been looking at for three or four years at this point who we may not ever put on or we might put on in five more years for that matter. Um, and the persistence um, and getting to know the persistence and the pivots over time is really important.
2: Well, it's definitely worth noting that on this show, we talk to so many founders and CEOs of startup companies and there's a large number of them that come on the show at the beginning of their their journey with their business, and a lot of those companies don't exist anymore um, for a variety of reasons. And um, you know, to be able to say you've been looking at a company or looking at people over the past few years, and and this is the year. I mean, perseverance in the startup world, especially in food and drink. Um, is definitely something it's sort of almost, you know, if if you're still standing in some respects <laughs> a few years in and your business is still growing and evolving, um, that un- in and of itself is, is a great sign. We're going to take a quick break right now and find out who is helping Heritage Radio Network continue to stay on the air and evolve. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We are kind of like public radio. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of donations from our members who are mostly listeners like you, grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us.
1: My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to Cheeselandia.com.
2: Hello, this is Dana Cowan, and I'm the host of Speaking Broadly on Heritage Radio Network. Each week, I interview extraordinary women in the world of food and wine. And I've expanded this season to create Giving Broadly, a website devoted to amazing products by extraordinary women entrepreneurs. Check it out for great gifts and ways to amp up your cooking this season. That's givingbroadly.com. Well, we are Bites, and we are talking about the Forbes Under 30 list for 2021, which is a great moment to be celebrating some of the visionaries and business owners and people who are really pushing the food and drink industry forward. We are speaking with Chloe Savino, who's staff writer at Forbes, who's been one of the writers working on the list, return guest to Tech TechBytes, we are also talking with two of the under 30s Jesse Shevchek, who's writer, recipe developer, food stylist, and author of Tasty Pride, and Michael Robinoff, who is co founder and CEO of Farm to People. Um, Jesse and Michael, you know, part of being on a list like this is a recognition of the work that you have done. But I think it's also a big spotlight to see what work you are going to do in the future. I definitely think the impetus of the Forbes Under 30 list is, you know, change going forward as well. So I'll ask each of you, um, you know, we're really at the beginning of 2021 now. What do each of you see um, coming this year in the future, both for yourselves individually Um, And then for your corner of the food industry, Jesse. Sure. Um, So
5: I'll start with the corner of my food industry, because I think being on the list represents really everyone who worked on the book, like primarily the contributors. Um, Like the point of Tasty Pride was to highlight 75 queer voices within the food community. And I think like this spotlight on the Forbes list is a spotlight on all of us. And I think projects like this are rare because they're not necessarily like big money makers for BuzzFeed, Tasty, or for Clarkson Powder. But I think this shows that not only is this important to highlight new voices in food media and publishing, but it's also good business. Like these things get recognition and external validation for these projects is important so i think something like this could help launch new projects like this um kind of like justify publishing houses taking more risks bringing on people from different perspectives who aren't necessarily working in media already so i really hope that kind of sends a message to these publishing houses um personally i mean i just want to work on more books that's my dream. I, as of today, I'm sending out a first solo proposal. So I'm really excited about that. But I mean, ultimately, I just want everyone who is in Tasty Pride to kind of like share the celebration with me because it's not me on the list. It's all of us.
2: The book did raise a significant amount of money for Glad, though, didn't it? I yes. mean, it's not not financially successful either.
5: <laughs> yes, totally. Like um, the book, so $25,000 was donated um, from both. BuzzFeed, and then Random House, so 50k total. And then additionally, everyone who worked on the book was paid. So all 75 contributors were paid for their work, which sounds like, of course they are. But if you look at this business model, like these contributor cookbooks, that's not the norm. And it's quite rare. And then additionally, like the designer was uh, a queer designer too, we brought on, of course, they're all paid. So it was really about like reinvesting in the community um, in all different ways.
2: That's definitely another conversation, and something that is perhaps a part of the you know larger stories about the food industry, and you know some stories about the media, where I think a lot of the public doesn't necessarily understand um, or uh, is aware of sometimes how economically these things are not really viable for people. Um, in terms of what you've just said, in terms of contributor fees or lack thereof, um, there's quite a bit of, you know, do it for the glory and the publicity um, and do the work for free that happens sometimes in these things. So I think it, you know, it's it's great to point out how this was financially viable and it was um, financially supporting the people who worked on it. And I think that goes to Chloe's point earlier where we maybe don't realize um, people who are in media are, you know, small, almost like small, independent little media outlets. Michael, what do you see at Farm to People for this year and, and maybe um, specifically for your business and then maybe for the category um, going forward? We we had a great conversation prior to the show, um, and one of the things we talked about was um, you know your business just being kind of the perfect business for right now in so many ways. Yeah,
4: certainly I think obviously there we're extremely fortunate to to have, you know, a a business model that that really fit um into the needs of today. Um but that said, um I I also feel incredibly like alive and 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 driven. By by the moment and by by our mission and and really at our at its core, I want to make sure that as this this continued mass adoption of 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 e commerce grocery shopping and 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 you know ever more convenient grocery delivery services kind of compete and take each other out from you know Amazon to Walmart to Instacart, that there really is uh, a company out there that is uh, is is doing something really with with the earth and and local farmers and uh, regenerative agriculture um, at the t- at the top of our our minds and and with with, with purpose and um, so you know I, I think while we have visions of, of of growing and and growing much much larger than we are today um, it, it's never at the expense of of our driving mission and and that's really you know, over this coming year going to be about, you know, connecting with with more small farmers and driving meaningful um innovation in crop planning and uh transitional farming. Uh so many farms are are looking to not only organic agriculture but also regenerative agriculture and and um you know I mean the the, the whole space, that whole all of that fortunately is really gaining a lot of publicity over the last few years um, I would say from even during the pandemic you know a documentary like kiss the ground that you know Netflix produced really shows the power of this type of conscious uh, rotational agriculture um, and how it can sequester carbon and, and all of that and so um, r- really farm to people is 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 like a vehicle but the, the mission of of climate change and and being a company that can can do right by by its uh its partners, its employees, and its customers is something that um as as we've all seen, you know, it has taken seven years to get to where we are today and and really is about the long term. Um, you know, as Chloe mentioned earlier, there are a lot of companies on, or founders on the list that have raised significant capital, and then there are some of us that have gone I guess, more the path of, of bootstrapping and, and, I guess, refining our models as we go. Um, and it's, it's a little bit more of a patient approach, um, but definitely has its, has its ups and downs. But I, I definitely feel really, yeah, I, I guess driven by the moment. Um, we've, been, we've been really lucky to be doing well I'm one of the businesses in, in New York City that's been so hit hard by this pandemic. Um, and I don't take that lightly and I want to position that, that strength, um, and, and, and do, do greatness with it, um, over the years to come.
2: Well, I'm sure Forbes will be keeping tabs on you because part of each annual list is looking at some of the alumni who are, um, continuing to stand out. Chloe, this is the 10th annual list, which seems amazing also, um, And along with it, there are some additional events and things that you all have planned for the year. Yes?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, we obviously had to push back our second summit in Detroit, which was supposed to be in October. We'll be there, I believe, for three more years. And hopefully the summit will still be happening this year. Um, But in, in replacement of that, we have been focusing on kind of featuring alumni who have really been standouts, especially from like that first list uh, throughout the year. And we're going to be just doing a lot of you know, networking and I, I believe at least in the beginning of the year, virtual events around this 10th anniversary because it really is a, a big deal for us and we've been very excited about it.
2: And what types of things are you looking at? When do you start working on the list for 2022? What types of things do you think are going to Um, Bubble up this year in terms of trends or types of businesses or consumer behaviors and things like that. What do you What are you seeing going into the uh, 2022 list?
3: Yeah, I mean we're always looking. I always have a running list on my phone of different candidates, just either from the past years that we are still continuing to check up on or new folks. I mean, I'm getting you know I'm getting inbounds and different ideas from sources literally all the time. Um, and and while you know we still won't be going to trade shows this year, um, I am confident that we'll have some great folks. I think there'll be a lot more. You know, there was a lot of funding going into specific food and ag tech this year for specific problems that came around COVID, and I'm excited to see what some of the you know the fruits of those technologies bring to bear this year. Um, and you know, especially getting into the the later half of the year, I also think you know in terms of Food brand, just you know, the kind of the classic food brand, you know, grocery brand or a direct-to-consumer brand that's on uh, the Forbes list. Health, nutrition—that is all completely here to stay. And we've done a lot over the years to refine, you know, how we think about the ingredients that we're, uh, you know, supporting, you know, through the founders that we're supporting, um, and you know. There's a lot of crazy stuff in food engineering that honestly could be a whole other topic for another day. But uh, we're very uh, interested in continuing to see like folks doing no sugar alternatives, or you know, just things that are going to make people healthier, but also uh, be more accessible. And you know, I, I think honestly there could be a lot more done with accessibility. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that there are some more founders there. There's definitely the impetus for it this year with 50 million. Hungarians, including 17 million children.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's still um, still so much uh, work to be done in so many arenas. I will ask all of you, sort of, to that point. Um, you know, Chloe, you talked about some of the trends in terms of accessibility and food and health. You know, Jesse, you're talking about um, you know social, you know, awareness and of different, you know, groups and some of the social justice issues. Michael, you're talking about, you know, dis- you know, environmental issues and food chain and distribution. Do you think that in this moment in time, because we are spending so much time at home, because we are in a, such a state of emergency, people are conscientious of these things and they are wanting to make an impact, vote with their dollars, you know, protest, uh, join groups – Um, make the right choices, you know, maybe change things. Do we think this awareness and these shifts in consumer behavior are going to be lasting beyond this time of crisis? Do we think that people will continue to be interested in, um, you know, where their food comes from and things being equitable? Do we think that people will be interested in supporting, you know, different, you know, um, different social groups? Do we think that these things are here to stay and we're witnessing also an evolution to this sort of next level of, you know, participation and awareness? Or do we think that this goes away when things go back or move towards what the new normal will be?
4: Absolutely. I think that this is the new normal. Um, And I think that it it needs to be continued to be pushed by by businesses leading the way as well so i i think it's really important that we recognize issues in our communities and don't stand by silently and and be agnostic i think the past 4 years have have shown that uh you know businesses uh and customers you know ultimately customers have a, have a large large say on what kind of change they want to see in the world and uh and businesses and and leaders should should also have a, a vocal opinion about all of that. I think that you know, as the pandemic has um, kind of and and it really hit New York so quickly and so suddenly early on, that like for Farm to People, we we looked around at our team and and a lot of the folks that we hired were coming from the restaurant industry and and really found a, a home with us. And our team is an incredible community of of amazing people. And then beyond our team. We were looking at communities and how we, as a, as a conduit for nutritious food, could help with any excess food or with distribution to empower other groups. Um, to wh- whether it was uh, you know rethink, which is an amazing organization here in New York City, or Food Issues Group, or Playground Coffee Shops, which is like one of the pioneers in setting up all of the the community fridges around Brooklyn, and uh, and and they're growing. And so we. We Every weekend, we're helping uh, them restock those fridges so that people in need can go get those food. And then Soul Fire Farm up in uh, upstate New York, we've raised over uh, $15,000 for them to help them uh, empower um, minorities to get back on the farm and learn how to grow food. And so every Everything that, as a business, that we can do to drive that change in the world, whether it's you know personal um, or or as a as a as an entity, I think it's so vital for the future of of business. Frankly, I don't think w- one can exist without the other. Um, but that's just that's evolved a lot in my mind over the year, and, and that's really where I think new businesses uh, will, will will thrive and shine. Otherwise, the marketplace is just too crowded.
2: Jesse, do you think that these different do you think that the the current sort of public awareness and enthusiasm for different issues and groups is something that is uh a resetting and here to stay? do you think that's gonna go away um Is this sort of like a a pop of of a trend of consciousness or do you think that this is just sort of the new landscape I think
5: um In food media specifically, I think change has only kind of just started. And I think, you know, individuals like Priya, who was on the list, showed that if there's something wrong in food media or your industry, like speaking up can actually lead to like true systemic changes. And although it's scary within food media, there will be editors, freelancers who will like stand behind you and also be like, I have experienced the same things and I support you. So I don't think there's, you know, this isn't going to be like, oh, food media is fixed. Like we're going to have like true representation and equality and pay. And But I do think there are small changes that are taking place that is going to make food media a better industry as a whole. And I think, you know, you can credit to a lot of things that have happened this year and people who spoke out.
2: Chloe, do you think that, you know, sort of the consumer behaviors that we've been seeing over the course of this year and sort of the general public Um, you know, in many cases, renewed awareness or enthusiasm for things like environmentalism and, you know, regenerative farming. Are are these things that are going to be built upon for next year? Do you think that we're going to change lanes and shift to new things as time goes by? Or is this really, um, you know, sort of plateauing and then coming up and then plateauing again and and things that are going to continue into the future?
3: You know, I really hope they do continue. I think my biggest fear is that they don't. You know, I think it'll be really hard for a lot of folks, especially, you know, just from, again, being here in New York, you know, having the moments of really worrying, like, if, you know, how how our food supply chains would be impacted. And, you know, I made a lot of really drastic changes myself, personally, sourcing from pretty much entirely our a CSA Um that way, we're supporting a farmer, giving them money up front, so they, you know, can plan ahead for the long term. And you know, I pretty much just live off of whatever the CSA gives us at this point. I think that's a little extreme, and I know a lot of folks, unfortunately, you know, the third wave and the pandemic fatigue has, you know, a lot of folks are going back to getting their, you know, South American, you know, gassed cherry tomatoes um at the supermarket when it's not in season and you know i don't know i think we can get a little crazy with it i really hope that we're all thinking about our consumption in really thoughtful ways going forward you know i got really excited today seeing the new york times alert about 10% ghg emissions being down this year for the first time since so much travel and the you know economic you know just activity had decreased this year It's obviously still not enough, but I am hopeful that folks are thinking about, you know, the billionaires aren't going to save us. Where is our food coming from? Are there local sources? Are there sources I can rely on in a crisis? Climate change will only continue to exacerbate these already rickety industrial supply chains. And, you know, I think... I think there is a moment that I, a lot of consumers really could make long-term changes. I think it also really will depend on what happens when restaurants reopen and, and people start eating back more at home. Is it is it, are, do, will we have so much fatigue that we just completely forget what it's been like? Or will we continue? Um, I think there'll be a significant amount of folks who continue.
2: Agreed, agreed. There are, um, you know, of course we... So we're still in the middle of it. We're still in the throes of it. We don't quite know where we are in the timeline of the impact of the pandemic and all the other, you know, political and social issues that are happening right now. Um, it's hard to know where we are until we get a little further out, and then we can look back and say, "Oh, that was the middle," or "That was the end," or, hopefully, we won't be saying that's the beginning. But. Hopefully, you know, with um, awareness just comes a shift. And hopefully once people know it, you know, different things about where their food comes from or how authors and writers are paid or not paid or, you know, how much more wholesome and healthier, you know, your local farm is or how much um, more security and stability you can have by supporting your uh, your local economic infrastructure. Hopefully, once we're you know so aware of all these things, they just become the new habits and the new norms going forward. Um, It's a great it's a great um, list to look at. Um, If you're at home, go to Forbes.com. It's the Under Thirty. There are 600 entrepreneurs, activists, CEOs, founders, writers, creative people across 20 categories. Um, it's a great thing to scroll through and spend your time on. It's nice to have positive media to balance everything out and maybe get to know some of the different companies. Um, Real quickly, just to close it all out with everyone, um, for Jesse and Michael, what has been the best and most surprising thing about being on the Forbes Under 30 list so far? Jesse?
5: I mean, honestly, just being on it, like I said, this is, not something I ever strived to be on or dreamed of because it just felt completely out of realm, something I could never achieve. And it just feels good that the book was recognized because so many of the authors in the book are first time people publishing recipes who are just like heroes in their own community, but not necessarily like on a national stage. And it's so great that these people are being recognized and, It's so great to be on the list because, you know, next year I can nominate someone else who's on the book and then they can nominate someone else who's in the book and it could just like the shine theory of the book can pass on forever. So that's what I'm most excited about.
4: That's so awesome, Jesse. I'm going to log right in after this and buy a book and it's really cool to hear your story and congrats on everything. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think similarly for me, just I I think the connect, it's, it's so gratifying to, to, to feel like, you know, the years of work, um, are, are meaningful, um, professionally and, and to be on a list like that is, is really so, so cool. I also, um, just heard from, 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 this has been a, to to speak a little bit about this year, this year has been so heads down and isolating and scary and all of these things that we've all experienced probably, you know, on, on this, on this show. And, um, to to have friends that i haven't talked to in years reach out or or family members cousins that you know you just been isolated from there was really no thanksgiving and it came out right after thanksgiving it was a really just amazing way to reconnect with people and uh and obviously such an honor
2: well that's a great way to start the year or i guess end last year and then start this year um and it's a great way to start the season, and you know, so far, Knockwood, it was a pretty great way to pretty great way to start the Tech Bytes show. I want to thank Chloe Servino, writer at Forbes, for joining us again to talk about the Forbes Under Thirty list. I want to thank Jesse Chefcheck, writer, recipe developer, food stylist, and author of Tasty Pride. Um, one of the fabulous under 30s. And Michael Robinoff, again, f- friend of Tech Bytes and return guest as well, co-founder and CEO of Farm to People, um, who started the business when he was 21. So, I mean, I just want to say congratulations to everybody. And I think, you know, it's great to be celebrating something. It's also great for young people listening right now. We've done many shows with the Food and Finance High School of New York City, for example, Um, some of the senior students and things like that who are just uh, a short jump away from where Michael was when he started his business at 21 years old. Um, So there's lots of potential. There's lots of potential out there, and who knows? Maybe a young person listening today will be the person that Michael or Jesse nominates in years to come. I want to thank the sponsors of the show, all of our members, and most importantly, the staff at Heritage Radio Network, like Matt Patterson, who is our engineer, for continuing to make this show and all the shows possible. We record via Zencaster remotely, we publish using Simplecast, and we keep the lights on, the mics hot, and the stories coming. If you like this show and you want to hear more, come back and Listen to us again. Even better, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a great review. That'll really help our ratings and bubble up and create a lot more interest in the show and the network. If you really, really want to show us your support, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and make a donation. Maybe what you spent on vegetables this week or a cup of coffee or a pizza. If you designate it to Tech Bites, I will send you a gift along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites. TechBites is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.